Welcome back to the Leadership Download Podcast. We're going to go ahead and continue the discussion between Steve, Travis, and I on our discussion on life, leadership, and things that we've learned uh, throughout the years working together and growing up in leadership. So um, if you don't know who Steve is, uh, so Steve is our third partner where we started a uh, leadership company, leadership training and development company called TC Advisory Group. So the three of us were on a recent business retreat in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we decided to um, record some podcast content. And so we ended up having an awesome discussion on leadership and the things that we've learned throughout the years. And so this is a continuation of the discussion we had. If you haven't caught part one, feel free to go back, rewind, and go back to a previous episode and uh, listen to part one. And uh, this is going to be part two, which is the final edition of our Unplugged Leadership Podcast episode. Uh, So I really hope you enjoy the discussion on this. And if you want to find out more about our leadership company, go to our website, tcadvisorygroup.com. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast. All right, ready? So shifting conversation, you know, um, an article I I wrote a couple of weeks ago, it was called the five to one ratio. And, and And I tell the story about how early on in Early on in my career, you know, I had made a mistake with the schedule. I had accidentally put out a schedule that was not the approved schedule. So I had mocked up a couple of different options for a schedule through a scheduling, the schedule bid, but it wasn't the official one. And I accidentally, accidentally put the wrong schedule up. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I ended up having to go out of town or I was traveling and that schedule went up and I got questioned about it a few times. Uh, and I just said, that's the schedule. You guys have got to deal with it. You went to the bid and it caused a major uproar. I mean, it was a problem because uh, certain people who were high in seniority were in positions where they were having people who just walked in the door, had better schedules. And mm. you know, the, you know, the drill. Yeah. So once I realized I had made the mistake, I very rapidly jumped on the laptop got the right one, shot it down to to my admin and said, here, please change the schedule. So I got back in town, I think the next day and I'm thinking, okay, I got to fix this problem. So, you know, I went down to the the sub shop and brought in some subs and came in and tried to really, you know, try to, you know, powwow with the the crew. Right. Thinking everything was just going to be fine. I knew it. I knew I had caused some heated issues. People were, talking about, you know, I've got other jobs and, you know, people were freaking out. And so for some of them, they actually already made other arrangements like to be, you know, be places. So I'm like, okay, I'll bring in some food and everybody's going to be happy. So I brought the food in. And of course, everybody to your face was going to be, oh, we appreciate that. Thank you. But a couple of days later, I go in, in, in one of the break rooms and I realized that the, in the, the mood in the room is horrible. And I, I just like, what, what's the big deal? And it's like, yeah, since that whole, that whole thing with the schedule, people are just kind of, they're ill about being here. They didn't like it. So it's fixed. Yeah. But it was, it just really kind of uproared the crew. And so, you know, I really didn't think about much more of it after that, but I began to kind of study this thing called the five to one ratio. And it basically says the five to one ratio says that for every five, for every one bad thing that happens, it requires five 
five positive things have to happen <clears throat> to offset it. Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever had an have had a scenario in your in your career where it's just like one pretty significant bad thing happens and then suddenly you're like, man, I this is we're never gonna get over this. Where do I start? Yeah, so you know, I, I I'll 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 answer this in a little different way, right? So it's probably not answering it's not answering your question, but um, I I use this method with my customers, right? Five to one, right? So so five great interactions, um, at least five great interactions to one any kind of negative interaction, right? Because you don't want that stigma. It could be your customer, it could be your team members, it could be uh, anybody, right? Or anything. But you don't want to walk in the room and go, there's that guy again. Guess what bad news he's gonna tell me today. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so if if you're if you're in there, you know, just hey, how's your day going? How's is my team taking care of you? Uh, is there anything else we can do for you? Cool. There's there's no private agenda, there's no um, you know, there's no bad news to give them. It's it's just no news is good news kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, or hey man, did you see what the team did this last weekend and knock it out of the park? It's phenomenal, right? Uh, and then you know when you when you go in, right? Now, okay, hey, listen, you know we, we we goofed up here. This is what happened. This is what we're doing about it. You have the credibility. Um, you you've got the relationship to to resolve those things, and that it, it's valid whether it's your team members, um, your direct staff, your indirect staff, your customers, whoever it is. Man, that is a that is a golden rule to live by. Don't just be the person that picks up the phone and bad news. It could be your boss too. Yeah. Because right? yeah. <laughs> you know your boss's blood pressure is just going to go, okay, he's calling me again. Let's see what happened. And, and I think the key is when there are those times when you make those mistakes or there are times when you just drop the ball and it caused that uproar like it did with the schedule, Travis. I think it's truly being genuine with your team and helping them understand what truly went on. Yeah. Not trying to cover it up, not trying to butter it up and make it look like, oh, it was a minor mistake, but truly take them into your mind why this was done in this fashion. Uh, and there's also pressures from our higher-ups, too, that we need to help our team understand. And sometimes there's just stuff not in our control. Yeah. We're sort of directed to do that, but then to help them understand why that's happening you want to explain them the why behind it because if they don't understand the why of why it's happening or don't understand what your mindset is or what's going on they just don't won't understand yeah it, to show them the why right yeah. but to, to to also show them listen i'm not infallible yeah i'm i'm a leader and, and i know i'm the person that you depend on i'm gonna goof up mm-hmm. but i'm gonna own it i'm gonna tell you about it we're gonna talk about it uh, and I'll make it right. I mean, a lot of leaders don't don't go make it right. Don't explain. Hey, I goofed, and I'm owning it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the interesting thing thing in here is, and eventually, you know, the the culture, the morale did improve. I mean, it just didn't improve in this at the speed that yeah. I was hoping it would. And, <clears throat> and you know, the, the thing I really begin to think about is, as, you know, as a leader, as someone who is responsible for other people. Um, we expect, you know, bad news. We, we know bad news will come from time to time, but we, we we expect our people to just bounce back from it. Yeah. 
And, and it really began to make me think about, you know, how many times have I had to deliver bad news or has something happened that was very negative? Maybe it was just like a really bad night where it just rained nonstop and it was just a horrible night on the ramp. And everybody had to stay till three hours past their scheduled time because of late flights. And that really kind of set off a trajectory for the next three or four days. Everybody was in a bad mood. And, 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 the, and it required multiple positive things to happen. And, you know, so with that being, with, with that awareness that that's the way, kind of way things work, you begin to have a little bit more understanding to why, okay, why, why is it so hard to get people to move back in that positive direction? Um, and, and not just by, not just kind of expecting people to just bounce right back and be resilient, you know? So, you know, I, I think I made the comment before about humanizing the numbers. A, a lot of us are, you know, at, at times in your career or in your day, in your week, your month, you can say, all right, listen, I've got, this is my head count. This is the people that are in the pipeline. These are the people in training. These are the people that I may end up having to term. Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point you're talking numbers, right? But you've got to humanize this stuff. So, so when there's a, a mistake made with a schedule and the team really reacts you know strongly to it i hope people understand and i hope hope you understood at that time and there was a few wake-up calls in my my career the responsibility that's on your shoulder right so you know and and i always took this deeply personal If, if 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 we couldn't successfully coach a person to success and we had to separate i failed as a leader it's, it, you know, they didn't fail. I failed. It was my job to get them to be successful. And so what that means is they got to go figure out how they're going to go feed their family, how they're going to go pay their rent, their car note. When, when, a, when something's wrong with the schedule and, oh, my gosh, I had all these things lined up. I had babysitting lined up. I had the second job worked out the schedule. This is the window I was going to go do my laundry. This is when I was going to see my spouse. Oh, my God. It just it all crumbled because now I'm on a different shift. And so realizing the responsibility that we have as leaders, I think, I think we take for granted for a while. Right? But then we have those wake-up moments and go, oh, my gosh. I'm really responsible for a lot of yeah. ways of life here. Yeah, and I think it's how we react to certain situations. That's how te- our team's going to react. Mm-hmm. One thing that I remember, I ran into a situation where there was a f- huge accident, I would say, and the team panicked. The team panicked. But I made sure to, and it took a lot out of me, to keep my composure, keep charge that, you know, you're the leader and the way you react, that's how people are going to react. Yeah. And it was the hardest thing to do to keep the composure. Yeah. Because, you know, everyone, the team was trying to play the blame game. This person did this. This person wasn't doing this. I was like, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, keeping that composure. And sometimes it's difficult to do because sometimes we just want to lose it. Whether or not it's our fault or someone else's fault, right. we just want to lose it. And I think it's us keeping our cool being cool, calm, and collective and handling these type of situations whenever we make mistakes or when our team makes mistakes. And uh, it makes a difference. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're 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 leading by example, right? You're, yeah. That's all. That's you're the true definition of being a phenomenal leader. Like in, in face of adversity, it, your your team is just they're scattered, right? Because what whatever just happened um, really sent their nerves, just really racked them. And here comes this calm, cool, collected leader, right? Maybe not inside, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe not. But what they're seeing. Right, that perception is mm -hmm. all right. He's here, Cameron's here, he's my leader, mm -hmm. he's not freaking out. We're gonna be okay. There's there's a lot of value in that. Man, that's not easy. No, it's definitely not. So. Yeah. It's just like when you have you have turbulence on an airplane, who do you look to? If, if the flight attendants get a, if you see the flight attendants start acting a little weird, yeah, then you get concerned. You know, the people who are on the plane all the time when you see them start getting a little nervous or like this isn't normal then you start to kind of freak out a little bit you know um the flight attendants moving a little bit quicker to button up her stuff i tighten up that seatbelt <laughs> a little more <laughs> you know you know i mean I, I think something that i've learned because you know just being very transparent i tend to be someone who operates with my emotions on my sleeves and uh i'm very quick to if I'm frustrated, you will, you will know generally that I am frustrated. And there's a lot of positives to that as well, because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold a grudge. I'm going to let you know in the moment what's going, how I feel. But in certain circumstances, when you understand this five to one ratio that, Hey, one negative experience has, it, it had, takes up to five positive experiences to offset it. We had to be very cognitive of who we as leaders uh, vent to, mm -hmm. who we who we spend time kind of commiserating with. And I'm saying I think that actually is a necessary thing to do at yeah. times. Is as a leader, we have to have somebody where we can kind of let that excess just steam and issues come off of us. But we cannot do that with people who trust us as a leader yeah we need to hold that composure because if it's true that for every negative experience a negative experience can, for them could be seeing their leader genuinely freak out or get extremely upset to the point where uh they're thinking well we're all going to lose our jobs yeah and i can remember i won't go into any details but i can remember a specific situation where i didn't react that well and I honestly believe that that simple overreaction, I wouldn't say it was an overreaction, but that reaction for me sent everybody to ZipRecruiter looking for jobs, even though that had nothing to do with it, right? Yeah. They read into it that much that, oh my goodness, the, the senior leader in this location is so frustrated about something. We're all, we're all done. Yeah. So just understanding that your, your words can move things in a positive direction and a negative direction just just like that you know i think i think it's easy to sit back and um uh, how do i say this it's easy to sit back and say no you shouldn't shouldn't have emotion right it should just be methodical you know thought out um decision making and you know if if, if one plus one equals two then then you do too right that that's what you're supposed to do but i think we all have to recognize there's there's emotion in business. There's emotion in everything you do. Um, you're not a robot. And so you got to do something with those emotions. Yes. Um, and, 
and there's frustrations that are going to happen. Um, there's happy moments that are going to happen all the time. We hope. Yeah. Um, but you're so right. You know who who do you vent to? Who do you use a sounding board? Um, Cameron, I think that's something you're phenomenal at. You you take something at work and you you talk to people and you talk out that situation. Um, I think you do it with more even keel. Uh, emotion than probably Travis and I are right. You're you're better at that, um, and so that's you know one thing that'll probably keep keep uh, absorbing from you. But um, you know that's uh, it's just a, a, a part of business, part of life. Yeah, I mean there's there's times where emotions are necessary, right? I mean because there's other been other times where uh, my emotions have come out where they've seen me fighting on behalf of an, of an employee. You know, I've had. And employees accused of things that, that I knew were not correct. And I got emotional in meetings about it and got, I wouldn't say aggressive, but it was an, it was a very, uh, a festive conversation and that got back to the team and that was, that had a reverse effect on it. Like, yeah. my goodness, this guy was in there battling toe to toe for He's us. He's my champion. That's it. You know, I'll, I'll never, I'll never call out on this guy again because I don't want to let him down. Yeah. Um, and those are those moments where you got to know uh, strategically what is necessary in those moments. You know, is it is this the time to let it let the emotions play out, or you know what I need to control this, get this get get off, and then you know make that phone call to that mentor or that confidant who can you know allow you to kind of you know debrief whatever you need to debrief to get it out of you. You know that um, <laughs> that brings up something that how, how do you deal with tough customers? Um, whether they're not treating you fairly, whether you don't think they're treating you fairly, what they do, or whatever it is, um, man, that's a tough one, right? Because they're they're still your customer, right? Whether it's because of a contract obligation, um, whether it's because they bring the kind of business you need to to to, to have to be successful and. And, and build your numbers or make your sales at some point you get you you have to address that and that's something i have not mastered in my career at all i can have an even keel you know straight conversation um but i think when it comes to a customer for some reason i i have this overbearing of okay i need to I need to please them right but then when they're they're unnecessarily upset they're too reactive um you're accusatory of the team um the performance uh of the team that that's not justified that's um that's a delicate a delicate conversation to have cameron you want to take that what was that you want to take it you want to take that on The first thing I would tell you, from, and this is what I have to tell myself, is not everybody you come in contact with is going to be happy with you, no matter what. They're ne- there's your, no matter how good, no matter how good your service is, there's always going to be that person out there who wants to have conflict with you. So I think getting past that part of taking it personal is the hardest part for me too. It's like okay it's not you're you're not attacking my services you're you're blatantly attacking me and that's because good leaders they 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 personalize their the, the people they lead the mm-hmm. way they lead so when you say 
oh, you, you, you know, you didn't provide proper service. That's basically saying I, I failed. Yeah. And I think sometimes we have to remove ourselves from number one, not allowing it to personally hit us, but also understanding that, Hey, if you know what, if your track record is solid and these are the one-offs, you know what, there's, there's always going to be those people around that are going to cause issues and, and challenges. And I think you have to just kind of audit yourself and say, Oh, is this the consistent or is this the the one-off? Yeah. You know, I think it's also not changing your, who you are as a person for that irate person or irate customer client, whoever might that be staying true to yourself. Cause I know that could be hard, especially with an irate obnoxious customer that or or colleague or whoever that's just, you know, you're never going to win them over. Um, But staying true to yourself and sticking to that. And I think as long as you stick to that, I think that's where I get the satisfaction. You know, I did whatever I could. I kept myself and who I am. I stayed grounded. And if it doesn't work out, kind of just move on. Yeah. And there's a lot of security. If you can get yourself into the mindset of, listen, I I stay true to who I am. This isn't the right fit. It's not the right fit. It's not what God wanted for me or my family wanted for me. It takes, I think, a very strong person to, to stand on that and stand proud on that. Let's take things in another direction. One more direction. How about that? So let's talk a little bit about family, faith. Yeah. Just, just, so we'll, I don't know what we'll do with it, but we'll, we'll just have a conversation. So, you know, so I grew up on the West Coast, right? So um, I came from uh, a family that uh, I, I call myself one of six, right? But uh, my mom had a previous marriage, had two kids. My dad had a previous marriage, two kids, came together um, and had two kids, right? Uh, so I'm the youngest of six. Um, and so I always affectionately say I'm, I'm the, I'm the spoiled one. Right. Um, cause the youngest is always spoiled. <laughs> always the favorite one. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up in an environment where, you know, mom very active in the church, dad, very committed to career, uh, both very present, um, in, in engaged in, you know, whatever I needed them to be. Uh, and so I think I, you know, I look back and I, I can't tell you how blessed I, I, I feel when I look back right now that I'm a father, um, you know, I, I'm, I've been married and, and, and with my wife for seven, eight years and honey, if I got that wrong, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, my, 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 my beautiful daughter is 16 months old now. And, um, you know, so I, I think, you know, I grew up in this very blessed environment of, of having very engaged and, and active, uh, family, um, you know, no, no family's perfect. Right. You know, so I think you, you, you grow through adversity with your siblings. Um, your cousins sometimes become your best friends. Um, sometimes you, in my case, move to the other side of the country and say, I'm going to try it on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it works out really good. Um, even if you miss the snot out of them. <laughs> so, but, um, certainly, uh, certainly love the, the, the childhood I have. For sure. You know, I've known you for quite a while now. And when I first got to know, first got to know you as my, basically as my boss, you were a career pavement pounding, going to the top individual. And, and in some ways you've had those opportunities to, to grow and I mean, and, and reach some of your goals 
And I've also watched you in the last 16, 17 months melt into a puddle of, of goo <laughs> and have to be rebuilt again. What are, what are some of the things that, you know, having a child now has like changed in you? Yeah, man. Um, so you're so right. You know, I look back and, and uh, you know, at that point, nine years or a little less of, of just pure, no, I'm building my career and I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going until I get the right title, until I get the right responsibility, the right paycheck, of course, um, the right team, the right you know company I'm with. Um, I'm going to just keep going. Um, and, and then and then this little girl is born. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what was I doing? Why was I doing any of that? What was I chasing? All of a sudden, I don't I don't need the that that paycheck that I was earning. Um, I don't need those you know phenomenal bonuses. I need to be at home. I need to uh, support my wife. Um, I need to um, get up at two a.m. and make bagels for my wife while she's in the third trimester because she's hungry, right? <laughs> um, Man, it just, it all changed. It, it, and, you know, I think a lot of people said you just, you don't know love. You don't know how much you love a person until you, you hold that newborn. Um, and I think to be honest with you at first, when I, you know, so my wife had a, had a C-section and, and so you know, I got to hold her first and when I'm holding her and we're doing skin time. And, and I think the shock and awe of the whole situation is hitting me, right? And so it wasn't an instantaneous, like, I love this bundle of joy, right? Yeah. I mean, it was like, holy cow, I'm really responsible for somebody else. <laughs> like, this person really depends on me, right? And so you have this sense of, of responsibility. And and then comes this phenomenal, okay, what I was doing in my career, I was on the road a ton. Um, I was on the phone at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning when the phone rang. Um, I was running operations 24-7, seven days a week, uh, 365, right? No, my focus is I need to adjust my life and my career to make this my priority number one, to make sure I'm home every night, to make sure I don't miss the first steps, to make sure I'm there to support my wife, to to make the bagels, to make dinner, to to do whatever I need to do to help out. And it's been a phenomenal thing, right? I mean, you started asking me that and I, almost started, you know, uh, tearing up a little bit just because, um, you know, I, 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 it's probably cliche to say it's the most meaningful thing I'll ever do in my life. Yeah. It's, uh, so, I mean, here, here I'm reinventing myself, um, at nearly 40. Um, that's still, um, still weird to say. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm getting out of one industry, and I am going back to, to one love that I used to do, which was um, in construction in a much different way now. Instead of uh, pounding nails, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take more focus on um, running a construction company uh, with a, a good focus of providing for the community because I want to teach my little girl, you've got to focus on providing for your community. It's not going making the biggest buck. It's... It's grandma down the road um, needs X, Y, and Z. And, you know, you don't have to go get rich off grandma. Mm -hmm. Your soul is going to get rich off grandma because when you're done with that and she's smiling and she's happy and she's got a better quality of life now, and there's your payment. 
You're you're uh, part of this interview. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> I was just looking at. I think Cameron wants to go to bed. I was just looking at your screen. Um, no, I think family for me. Uh, thankfully, um, you know, I have very close family and very close grandparents, and I think I've always wanted to keep. I always valued that that family because, um, uh, I guess a lot of my classmates, I saw a lot of imperfect families, and um, or whether they didn't value their parents, they didn't value their families, and or there was sibling rivalry that, that the relationship just fell apart. For me, that was like the most important thing to keep the family intact, stay, continue to stay in touch with them wherever I was, and continue to, to value family. And uh, so I've always kept that very important in my life, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, is to continue valuing that and not forget about that. And I think based on my upbringing, it truly helped me with my values and where I wanted to, where I want to go and what I want to pursue. Uh, it's truly made me who I am today and built my character based on that. Yeah. 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 And both of you guys, you know, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. I think you, you guys have, <clears throat> A stronger relationship with the Lord than I do, right? And it's not because you know, I don't I don't believe, or it's just something that I have done really poor um, at prioritizing my life and growing that that relationship. Um, but how do you think faith has played a life or played a role in your guys' life? I would say it's made it more challenging. Yeah. And the reason why is because it's probably the most difficult thing out of everything is faith to stay on that straight and narrow path, um, to keep yourself centered in faith. Because oftentimes, you know, as we, and we probably all face this, you know, we're pursuing our careers, we're going on that upward trajectory. We just start defining ourselves as GM, senior executive leader, executive vice president, that's who we are. And then we forget what's most important. It's really what grounds us, family, faith. Those are the two most important aspects. Your job, you're not going to take with you anywhere. That's just a title. That's just what you do on a day-to-day. -day. And for me, it took me almost eight, ten years to realize that. Nobody on their deathbed said, yeah. I wish I worked more. No, because the work is going to be there tomorrow. And I think faith is probably the most challenging challenging thing to continue to keep growing in that because it's just like our family or our friends or whatever whatever you pour into that relationship that's what you're going to get out of it yeah. and if you're not pouring into a relationship and something that you believe in such as faith how are you going to get something out of it so making that time to spend time you know studying and praying and all that it's a big it's a big part of who i am as a person now i couldn't say that a couple of years ago but now it's like a big part of it and um how about you hmm. those faith kind of played a role in, <clears throat> in 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 your brilliant life and things that you've done brilliant life wow well i would say without faith i probably wouldn't be completely restructuring my whole entire life at this point from a career perspective. 
you know, uh, all the shifts and changes that have been happening, you know, are things that I have been praying for. So the first thing I would say is really be careful what, what you pray for. I read a book <laughs> by uh, Craig Rochelle a couple of years ago called called Dangerous Prayers. Mm. And that the prayers that I have been praying for about the last six months were what I would deem as dangerous prayers. And I, and I would agree with Cameron that uh, <clears throat> my life has not gotten easier as I've, as I have pursued my, my relationship with Jesus and trying to understand what he, how he wants me to, to live my life and where I'm supposed to move. But, you know, there's a couple, but there's been more clarity that's, and that's been more, uh, that's been more comforting. It doesn't make life easier, no, but there's more comfort in knowing that, you're that you're moving in the direction that is not necessarily what you want to do, but it's the direction in which it's really your destiny with the direction you should that, that God desires you to move in. And that can be hard when you have been so attached to the titles and to the things that um, are, are positive things in a lot of ways. And one thing is I always have to remind myself about, you know, if you study scripture, some of the greatest uh, men and women on the Bible suffered a lot. Mm -hmm. Their lives weren't always painted in this beautiful way. Now, when we look at them in history, we say, "Man, they had they were they were the, the the giants of the faith. They were the people who 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 you know really set the 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 bar for." Uh, you know what you know what we now call christianity and, and but the reality is that they didn't they didn't they weren't promised the perfect end you know the perfect ending and, and some of them if you study the disciples all but one died by by basically the hand of someone else because of their faith you know uh in history peter's wife uh peter was forced to watch his wife be crucified because of their faith hmm. i mean so 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 we look at that now. We're like, so, so we want to, we want to pursue Christianity. Well, you know what? That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a millionaire. That everything you touch is going to turn into success. But it does mean you're going to be in the middle of what He has for you. And if you're in the middle of what He has for you, then ultimately you're going to find joy in that, and you're going to find peace in that. And you know, there's going to be times where you have to kind of push through some things. Because oftentimes, you know, the question I ask is, it's harder because you can't, you, you choose not to, to take the easy road on some things. You know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna cheat the system. You're not gonna, you're gonna steal from the company. You're not gonna uh, make bad decisions and, and, and fail your marriage. All these things that you've decided because of your, you being a Christ follower, you're no longer gonna do. Well. That those things can be very difficult. But I had someone explain something to me recently. And and here's the thing, you know, this life, if you look at life from a a, a this the, the the viewpoint of God, <clears throat> this life is just literally a, a blimp on the radar in the in the in the comparison of eternity. So if I was to ask you to say, hey, the three of us, what we're gonna do, we're gonna hop on a private plane. And we're going to fly down to the most beautiful island you've ever been to. And we're going to 24 hours fully comped, whatever you want. 
We're going to, you know, it's going to be just an enjoyable time. You know what? Bring the family. Let's go. But here's the deal. For one second of that time, it's going to be very unpleasant. Just for one second. And then the, and then the rest of the trip is going to be, you know, just the best thing ever. That is what our lives are here on mm. earth. It's, we're in that one second <clears throat> blimp of, for eternity. When you look at life from for an eternity, that this this life of six, six, 70, 80, 90 years, if we're lucky, is just a blimp on the radar. So is it worth? So if your life is not necessarily going the way you want to, if there's suffering, if there's pain, God knows I've dealt with a lot of pain in recent recent months and years. It's all temporary. It's only going to exist for a certain period of time. So my mindset begins to shift towards, okay, things may get difficult, but it's temporary when you're when you're serving a higher purpose. And ultimately, your your destination has nothing to do with being here. You know the the same on Judgment Day. You know the the president of the United States will walk to the and be judged by the same God as the poorest person who, you know, in somewhere in India or in Haiti, they're going to meet the same God the same way. There is no VIP section and they're not, and they're not going to call him Mr. President. They're going to, they're going to call him and say, you know, so I start to look at faith and saying that faith has a way of stripping you down and showing you basically how, little you really are and then god and jesus and god allows to build you back up as a person and that is the process of what faith does for you it allows you to seek comfort when you've been praying for something and it comes through but it kind of it's kind of a crazy crazy thing and sometimes not how you expect it to come not necessarily how you expect it even though you kind of expected it to be that way but you still didn't yeah you still didn't expect it to be that way but this life is not really for necessarily for our enjoyment as much as it is it's a bit it's a it's an edifying ground it's a time for you to to grow yourself for eternity and uh that's kind of what faith has done for me and i think what helps to get through the pain and suffrage and those difficult times and little good times is being in part of a community is being with surrounding people that are going to be people that you can lean on that are going to lift you up, not bring you down or steer you off the wrong path, but continue to kind of like a good brotherhood or sisterhood type type setting. Yeah. Yeah. That's what really helps. Yeah, I said a lot um, probably over the last years, there's, there's, there's just not enough community anymore. Um, my mother and all of her wisdom, one of my best friends in the world. I always say that, um, you know, there's, I, I, I asked her, I said, mom, why do you think there's so much angst and anxiety in the world now? And, and, and so she, her, her belief is, you know, it's, it's, we don't have the, the, the drive and the passion that, you know, across the street is my community, my neighbor next door is my community, my neighbor. Um, in, in that we, we don't, care as much about developing and taking care of them and uh, watching out for each other and, and, and just helping each other however you can. Um, you know, maybe social media or 
uh, the way the society has developed, who knows, but um, we've, we've gone away from that. We've gone on to this digital age where in ways communities can be phenomenally larger, you know, the, the more resourceful in how you can support each other. Um, but I think, you know, and it's just, it's just soul crushing at times to, to, to recognize that sometimes people say, well, your belief isn't the same as my belief, whether it's faith-based, it's, it's red or it's a blue dress or whatever that was. Um, you don't agree with me, so you're wrong and I'm going to tell you about it. Right. Uh, I think if we, <clears throat> I think if we just start accepting people the way they are, I think we start growing a community back. The key is loving on people. Yeah. Loving on people and accepting accepting them for who they are. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a difference between allowing someone to speak into your life. Because, you know, I, I think I'm a very cautious individual when I allow someone else to really speak and impart wisdom into my life. I mean, you can talk to me about business, you can talk to me about leadership and I'll listen and I'll take points. But when it comes to like my, my faith, I'm very cautious of who I allow to speak to me and who to the, actually internalize what they're saying. But for me to have community with people and to just have a relationship, whether it's just speaking, and, con and connecting and just saying, hey, you know what, if you if you ever need anything, I'm right across the street, you know, I'm here, I'm here, we can help. Um, you know, hey, you know, if your lawnmower, you know, you see your lawnmower's broken down, your grass is up to your knees, I don't mind shooting over there and helping you out. Or if you want to do it yourself here, borrow my lawnmower, take care of it. You know, those days of just being there for your neighbor and helping each other out, it's just it's so so far gone we're not we're not saying that you have to, to you know believe the same things to have community with each other you know and i think that's where people get so lost is i'm not asking you to 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 be my mentor i'm just asking you to you know to be a friend to 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 to, to do community together and that's just that's the sad part about where this country has gotten yeah so so my wife and i we just moved to the midwest um and through Christmas, it, it got a little chilly, right? Mm -hmm. I think we were about negative 35 with the wind chill. Um, and I knew that my next door neighbor, um, you know, she's widowed, she's alone, both cars are home. She had just gotten done being sick because, you know, we saw the cars not moving for several days. Hey, you doing okay? Yeah, I'm just sick. Let us know if you need anything. But through negative 35, okay, I've got her number now. How are you doing, ma'am? Is there anything you can do? do you need me to build the fire? Do you, you know, and I think at first she looked at me and I'm like, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. You don't do this anymore. What are you talking about? And I think after, you know, getting to know each other over the last several months and then through that, that time through Christmas, she saw that it was just genuine. It's just like, no, you're my neighbor. Mm -hmm. You're in my community. I'm in your community. Yeah. Um, and, and now we get text messages of like, hey, you know, hope everything's you know great. How's the baby? We're a community now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it feels great. And, and I'll tell you what, though, for, for somebody who's, who's you know, probably near retirement in their life to look at me like I'm crazy because I wanted to focus on being in a community. Um, it, 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 it was, it was uh, less than encouraging at first, but now it's like, 
okay, this is the right thing. Got to keep doing it. Got to multiply it. And that's all it takes, right? It takes one step and then the one after that. It's not a big momentous thing to, 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 to achieve. It's just a little step in the direction each time you can. That's what I got. I'll tell you what, man. The, the, the three of us together for the first time um, in, ever. Mm-hmm. First of many occasions. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just been a uh, a moment of kind of just waiting for the right timing for all of us to be able to kind of start pulling together. Yeah, you know, we've all been so tied to our own in, endeavors and trying to keep our families afloat, and and now things are starting to work to a point where we can we can really start to build something. I think it's going to be really special. Yeah, I look forward to to. Just doing something pretty awesome together, right? Creating um, support material uh, to people that are in the most need. Some some things that we talked about tonight. Yeah. Right? yeah. Hard lessons that we all learned at yeah. a point in our career and said, wait a minute, we can go back. We can help companies do better. We can help people be better prepared. Uh, and so they're not aging 30 years and five. <laughs> yeah. Well, there were so many people that helped each of us individually. Yeah. Along our journeys, right? We got to get them on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Some of them. Yeah. Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, there are some people that helped us along the journey, and it's just, you know, how do we give back? How do we share this, our lessons learned? How do we share what our mentors taught us? And I think we've, I think we're, we're getting there. We found a good place to add value to people. I'll tell you, my, um, my my uh, first mentor in aviation, um, he uh, he passed away late last year. Um, he um, well, probably one of the, the the best men that I ever knew. Um, and he always taught me: you treat people like they're your family, like they're your neighbor. Yeah, you know, there's one thing that anybody gets out of us sitting around being unplugged for a little bit is just treat people like they're your neighbor and they're your family. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Just do that. Even even that in today's world is so difficult to do. Yeah. I think it's a good place for us to wrap. Yeah. Wrap it up. That's us. Unscripted. Have a nice night. <laughs> well, we thank you so much for your support and tuning in to the Leadership Download Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed part two of our discussion with Steve Travis and I as we pretty much had an unplugged conversation on leadership. And we hope that you had awesome takeaways from our discussions and experiences that we talked about. So if you want to find out more about the work that we do, you can connect with us at tcadvisorygroup.com. And there will be all the information for you on there on our social media platforms and also some insight on what our new company is all about. And so thank you again for all your support, and we hope we were able to add value in your leadership wherever you are at. And uh, also tune in next week. And also, if you really enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe and also rate us and give us a review on whichever podcast streaming platform that you're listening to us on. Thank you again, and we'll catch you next week.